All right. Hello, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the episode 11 of the Tell Your Story podcast. Today's guest is Wendy Rose. Uh, she is a CEO of, Beautiful, uh, of Beautifully Integrated with Love LLC, specializing in transformation, transition, and tranquility. She is also a best time selling offer, visionary offer of I Did It, a team mom, parent success, overcomer of survivor, overcomer slash survivor of domestic violence and sexual assault, and an advocate and self-esteem mentor for women of domestic violence. Uh, hello, uh, oh, man, introduce yourself, Wendy, to the listeners. Hello, I am Wendy Banks-Rose, and he gave you the intro of who I am, and uh, it's a little bit deeper, you know, on, um, on who I am. I am definitely um, for what doing God's will and, and bringing people back to the light. Let's put it that way, because it's so much dimness when you're talking about sexual assault, domestic violence, and different things like that. So I'll let you be your interview. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, with that, um, when, what made you, let's first start off with your uh, business, Beautifully Integrated with Love, LSC. So um, what is that business and where did you sort of start with that? Well, um, Beautifully Integrated with Love was basically um, a name that, um, that God gave me. He gave me that name, but because um, the integration of beauty along with life gives us more of um, freedom, let's put it that way. You know, so beautifully integrated with love. It's like God's love and the beauty. And then you integrate those together mm -hmm. equals freedom, you know, for me. Now I do have another company and it's self-love redefined. So I do the transformational support coaching through the self-love redefined, which here's my logo. <laughs> If you can see it, but this is one of my t-shirts, I'm sorry. But it, it does say self-love redefined. There is a lady with a mirror. I don't know how they end up putting this on here. So do you okay. see it better that way? Yep, I see it. Okay, self-love redefined. There's a woman with a mirror holding it like this. And it says, I am enough. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And mm -hmm. at the bottom, it says, I am beautiful. And so with self-love redefined, that's where the transformation comes in. I have a support group on Facebook as well, where I go on and I talk to different people about different ways to affirm yourself, to mm -hmm. learn how to love yourself all over again. Because when you go through these different traumas, you lose yourself in the midst of the traumas. Mm -hmm. So that's where that comes from. Mm, okay. All right. Uh, so... Um... That's, that's, that's awesome uh, that she sort of like, sort of, you know, help find an avenue for women to be able to, or to help go through their trauma and help like be able to, you know, better heal through them. Um, so with that, what, what, what age were you then when you experienced your own personal bouts with um, sexual assault and the trauma behind it? Uh, 14. Mm. Yeah, it was 14 years old. Um, Oh, yeah, but 
the weirdest thing of it is, is it's like I met a guy and thought that he was, I mean, you know, back in the day we wore Jerry curls and all that kind of stuff. So I thought he was cute, tall, dark, handsome, whatever. I had the big juicy Jerry curl too, and it was long, so you couldn't tell me nothing. And um, he didn't live in my neighborhood and um, he happened to come to my neighborhood and it was like 10 minutes walk from the house. Mm-hmm. And so he called me, you know, I went over there to meet him and he was at like a family friend's house or something, but I knew who his brother and his cousin was, you know, because I remember seeing him in my cousin's neighborhood before. Mm-hmm. And um, so I went over there and I'm not thinking anything about them because they're so much older. And with us being like the youngest too, I'm thinking they just leaving us alone. They not even thinking about us Mm -hmm. so it was like I was just pumped that he wanted to hang out and so I go by there to hang out with him and all of a sudden I get attacked by all of them and it was four of them so I got attacked by those four you know just it's no means no Mm -hmm. period exclamation point no means no it was date rape you know, and um, a lot of times I tell girls to be very mindful and be very careful of the situations that you put yourself in. But I didn't see that coming. And most of the time we don't see it coming. Mm-hmm. Most of the time we just don't see it coming. You know, you become a, a, a victim to people's crazy ways. But what Women have to understand, women, girls have to understand that number one is not your fault. Even though you come in voluntarily, that does not make it your fault. It's not your fault. The way that these people was were brought up, it's not your fault, their mindset. It's not your fault that they are stupid. Mm-hmm. It's not your fault because they have no morals and values and respect for anybody. It's not your fault. And the problem is with all of this, when it comes to rape and being victimized, is that women or men tend to feel as if it's their fault. And I say it again, it is not your fault. Mm. And so when that happened, I mean, me being 14 years old, I had rules at home you know, during that time, it was a time when you couldn't be outside past the streetlights coming on. Once the streetlights came on, you were supposed to be in the house or on the porch mm-hmm. or something like that. Yeah, in the house or either on the porch, you know, and, and so there's nothing that you really could say when you come in after hours mm-hmm. because you know the rules, you know the rules of the game. Okay. Mm-hmm. When you come in after hours, you are in trouble, period. You know, there's no ifs and ands about, about it. And you just like, no, nah, I'm not gonna, you know, say anything about it mm-hmm. because my fear was more of her than what had just happened, mm. you know, of the, um, the effects of me coming in late mm-hmm. is what was the issue for me. You know, um, one of the guys, and I think he had to be like the oldest one that was with them. He walked me partially home with a brick in his hand, like to my head, threatening me. 
Oh, wow. Like, I better not tell anybody. And I didn't. I didn't tell for 35 years. Jesus. Yeah, I didn't. Not for 35 years. Mm. Not for 35 years. Mm. Yeah. So what what finally made you want to be able to open up after 35 oh, years? And yeah. was it, you know, having a lot of, like, was it a lot of, like, your own personal um choice and like all right i want to share was it you know the guys that that were not in your life not having so much control over you like what was your thought process when you finally started to want to open up about it or build up the courage to even want to talk about it well what made me want to i'm moving sorry (laughs) made me want to actually tell my story is the fact that um I had done, I found out that there was a lady that offered a program. Um, She was teaching about writing your story, like when, you know, to be able to write your story. Mm -hmm. And I had prayed about it and I really wanted to write my story. And that's what I did. I ended up writing my story in a book called Bless Not Broken, The Journey to Healing. Um, because I felt that I needed to heal. And it's like, it's holding for 35 years that really needed to get out. And it's like, am I helping anybody by just holding this in? Mm -hmm. I'm not helping anybody. I'm not helping anybody. And I'm like, I needed to be able to help somebody. I needed to be able to help somebody. Mm -hmm. And um, so I wrote my story. And as I wrote my story, I realized that I hadn't forgiven myself. I'd said that I had forgiven, you know, them for doing that to me. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like I did. I did. I felt like I had forgiven them. But I realized that I hadn't forgiven myself. And Mm -hmm. that's so very important. You can forgive others and it be okay. But the problem is you still have this heaviness on you and on the inside of you when you're still blaming yourself. So because you're blaming yourself, you're not forgiving yourself. Mm. So I had to literally pray. I hadn't even cried for the 14 year old me that was raped. I had to cry for her. And I had to literally go down the line and say all of those things that I forgive myself for. You know, I forgive myself for being in that place because for so long I kept saying, it's my fault for going over there. Had Mm -hmm. I not gone over there, this wouldn't have happened. And then I had to cry for me because can you imagine suppressing that and holding all of that in for all of those years? And how much damage I had done to myself and others that were around me and not being able to trust people, especially being around people and you can't trust them. It's like, that don't help you. It's like, you think that you have grown, grown over the years. You think that you have grown, but it's like, you got this part of you that just won't release itself. So you could be the best version of who God has ordained you to be. You cannot be whole if you got this half of you 
that hasn't even been unleashed yet. Mm-hmm. And it can't be unleashed until you forgive. Mm. You know? So. Mm. Man. I mean, was it, how hard was it then for you to forgive yourself then in that moment, you know, and were you able, and how long did it took for you to even forgive yourself at that, you know? But you know, it, it was a whole process. I didn't really realize that that was the problem. As I cried and I prayed, I cried, I forgave myself as I did all of those things, I felt this big, huge weight just lift up off of me. It was a huge, huge, gigantic weight lifted off of me because of the forgiveness. And it's like, I felt like at that point that now I can be authentic. I can be authentic. I can be unapologetically me. It was a process. But it's like, once you start writing your story, Mm -hmm. it opens another part of you to know that, you know, it's like you write your story, you forgive yourself, you start writing your story. And then it's like the doors just start opening. It's like one door after another, after another. And then there's parts of you, you start rediscovering, you start discovering that there's so much more in you and so Mm -hmm. much more you have to give to the world. For other people that have been in your place, that have stood in your shoes. And I always tell people, you don't want these shoes right here because you'll drop them like a hot potato. You know, so, yeah. Mm. Mm. So with that, uh, what made you want to start your business then? Um, And your other business too, and your journey into sort of being uh, being a mentor to help women overcome their own traumas and stuff? Um, What made me want to do that is because as a teenager, after that happened at 14, I got pregnant at 15 and I had my first son at 15, Mm. two weeks prior to me turning 16, I had my first child. And um, I was rejected, you know, by the father and treated a certain type of way and embarrassed, you know, and different things like that. Um, That was one of the things that happened is being a teenage mom and not only that, experiencing domestic violence at an early age, like starting at the age of 16. Um, of domestic violence and actually marrying this guy so it's not like the domestic violence got any easier you Mm -hmm. know being with him so yep so I experienced domestic violence with him for over 18 years until finally I got strong enough because you know when you deal with domestic violence you always feel like your abuser is stronger than anybody around you. Like, first off, you don't really want to tell your family because it's like, okay, what are they going to do to him? But then on the other hand, you look at your abuser like they're stronger than anybody, especially when they've proven to you the amount of abuse that they can 
to you. It's like, you don't want that to happen to anybody that's in your family. Mm-hmm. So you bear all of that by yourself. That was a whole nother thing. I had become a professional at hiding, you know, I used to like, when I was growing up, I was a very happy, goofy type of person when I was growing up, mm-hmm. you know, real happy, real goofy. Like every picture that I took, I was doing something goofy in the pictures. And it was like every year I had a birthday party on Easter, um, you know, so the rape shattered it. And then the domestic violence finished it off. And that person that I used was gone. I don't know where she went. She wasn't there anymore. I couldn't find her. Mm -hmm. Um, She wasn't there. I didn't want to be around anybody because I felt like people could see my scars. Um, It was awful. Um, What changed things for me and caused me to um, get away from my abuser was one day we were in the car and he was upset about something and he just started like hitting me like in the face and we were in the car and he just started hitting me in the face just continuously like my whole mouth my face was busted up and like he was pulling my hair and it was like I had like those, um, what are they called? Um, like a um, roller set, like my hair had those spiral mm-hmm. curls in it. Mm-hmm. And so he's, you know, pulling my hair and hitting me in the face and different things like that. He's upset about something that has nothing to do with me. Okay. And so I'm like, Lord, there has got to be something. I mean, you got to get me out of this. I, I can't keep dealing with this. And so I started hearing jump and I'll catch you. And I'm like, what? No, that wasn't him that said that. Jump and I'll catch you. So I'm hearing God's voice within myself saying jump and I'll catch you. And we were driving down, um, it's like a side street that'll lead right to the main street. Mm-hmm. And I'm originally from Cleveland, Ohio. And so we get to the main street I pulled the door and jump out. We were going at 45 miles an hour. So I pulled the door, I jump out of the car and I land on a bed of glass. It was like a bus shelter that had busted open mm. that somebody had bust, you know, they'd be acting full sometimes, but mm-hmm. it was busted and I landed on that glass. And as I landed on the glass, I had like, it's a little bitty scar right here. I know it's so grimy, like, you know, gradient in here that you can't see it, but it's a very small little wound right here, just scratches. And that's what I sustained was those little scratches. And when I tell you, I was like the $6 million man running down the middle of the street. So I was like, you know, that line that's in the middle that separate the left side from the right side. I was in the middle of the street. I was like, Jesse Owens flying down the middle of the street. I was going down the street, right? And um, and it was one of those days where a lot of the stores weren't open. And there was like one of these little X-rated shops that sat over to the right. Mm-hmm. Back then, you could go into the X-rated shop, get some X-rated movies, rent them out, you know, and come on. But it was one of those back then. And 
I darted off in there and he seen me and he came in there too. And when he came in there, I was behind a curtain and the lady was like, when I came in, she said, what happened to your face? And then I, I told her, I was like, can I please use the phone to call? You know, so I called my dad mm -hmm. and this was the first time I actually had opened up about anything. And my dad was like, well, you need to call the police on him. You know, he, mm -hmm. my dad didn't jump up like, oh, I'm gonna get him. No, he said, you need to call the police. The police can handle him better than I can, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I called the police and he was steady coming you know, like toward me, but that she had this, like, I don't know if it was like, a, um, like one of those push brooms I separated oh. the push broom, the stick from the push broom, like one of the, it was one of those that screw in. So I unscrewed mm. it and I took the stick and I came out and I told him, if you come any closer, you're going to meet your maker today. And that was basically the first time I really had ever stood up for myself because I couldn't beat him. He was a bodybuilder. Mm. What was I going to do with him? Yeah. Nothing. And, um, and then I guess the ambulance came and the police came, but I went to the hospital. I had to have surgery on my mouth. They told me that if I didn't have surgery on my mouth, my mouth would never be the same. And that's what they told me. But I'm here today with a regular mouth. So I would consider it to be regular and normal. <laughs> but um, I just got a little scar right here on the inside of my lip. Mm -hmm. And that's it. But they did everything they could. I mean, they did a good job. But mm. the police never did try to um, apprehend him at all. They didn't. Um, I had called the police several times on him. And that's one of the problems out here with domestic violence is that even if those that are being abused do call the police, sometimes they don't get the response that they need or that they deserve. They don't get the support, you know, that police come and, you know what I mean? They don't get that a lot of times. Now, some places do get it, but I didn't get it. And I didn't get it for years. I didn't get it for years. The weirdest part is that when we divorced, he remarried, I think, four months after our divorce. Our mm -hmm. divorce was finalized in April of 2010. He remarried in August 2010. Mm. Yeah, like four months later. And they got into it, and he was abusive to her. But do you know that all the police records were there that I called? And they use that against him with her. Oh, wow. That's the weirdest thing. They end up sentencing him, like do, giving him time or whatever, locking him up for what he did <clears throat> to her based off my calls. Weird. And I was moved to a whole nother state. I had nothing to do with it, nothing, you know, just back then, you know, mm -hmm. I did all of that calling, but then they like, hey, we got records here that show. And he asked me, did you, um, did you uh, tell her this, that, and the other? I don't need to tell her nothing. Mm -hmm. 
I ain't got nothing to do with him. You was her husband, and thank you, Jesus, you ain't mine no more. So mm-hmm. that's all I can say. <clears throat> yeah. Out of that, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's 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 weird. Then that it took that long for him to like even be brought up to like court on it or even brought up on the mentioning of it but um, it, and it and it did, wasn't even charges of something that he did to me it was just the fact that they had the recordings of me calling mm. they never did anything to him on my behalf it was just we have these recordings mm. you know like and so when so with the woman that you have like mentored and to help like go help go through their own personal traumas and stuff do you see sort of like their experience being similar to yours where they are not getting the proper resources or the proper support then or are you seeing that trend sort of like not being as much as when you were going through it and sort of improving or is it like a mixed bag of everything what I see is that the women are too afraid to call the police Mm. that they want. Um, And a lot of times there is no space to call the police, you know, because they're so afraid of their offender that you call 911, they answer, you say whatever you need to say, and here comes your offender and they're still talking and you need to hang up like right away. But guess what? They turn around and call you back and your offender is right there in your face. Mm. <laughs> so that's crazy. You know, so that's what I've seen. And But a lot of people um, that I deal with right now, they have already gone through the abuse and they have lost themselves in the midst of it. Mm-hmm. And they don't have any confidence they don't think that they can do anything. They're not strong enough to stand. Mm. They don't love themselves. They don't even try to fix themselves up to even try to love themselves. They won't educate themselves to move forward, to do more, to even see that it's more inside of them because they've been beat down so bad. You know, they've been beat down so bad that my job comes in by showing you that there's so much more in you. It's first transforming, transform your mind. Everything starts right here in your mind. It's your whole mindset. Who am I? Mm -hmm. What am I designed to do? Whose life can I impact? How can I feel better about myself? What can I do to implement those things for me to feel better? It's a whole mindset shift. Mm -hmm. So that's the transformation. So then you transition because you were stagnant before because you couldn't see who you were and who you supposed to be. So you transition from that place of stagnation and fear. So you are afraid to move forward from the beginning so you transition from a place of stagnation and fear to a place of tranquility and peace during the tranquility phase you start discovering who you are Mm -hmm. you reaffirm yourself 
you become more self-aware, you become self-confident, you're able to walk with your head up mm-hmm. and you can see more of who you are and who you are becoming. And you start living that life of peace. And that's so very important. So that's why I said transform, transition, and tranquility. Those are so very important. But nothing happens until you learn how to transform your mind. Nothing happens until the mindset shifts. Without a mindset shift, you have nothing coming because you'll continue to repeat these cycles over and over and over until you make up in your mind that you want more for you. You want more for your children. You want more for those that come in contact with you. You just want more. You want to walk more with confidence. You want to be more self-aware. You want to love yourself unconditionally. You want to be respected. You want to be respectful. You want to love others with an an everlasting, unconditional love, but you can't until your mindset shifts. If there's not a mindset shift, there is nothing going to happen. It all starts up here first. It all starts up here first. Even in God's word, whenever you read God's word, you take God's word and you apply it to your life. As you apply it to your life, it starts to shift your mindset. You're able to apply the word to your life and move forward. And know that you are worthy, you are worth it, you are enough, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, you are loved, you are loving, you are confident, you are assured, Mm -hmm. you are able to walk with your head held high. There are so many ways that you can affirm yourself. If you affirm yourself on a regular basis, you don't have no choice but to believe what you are saying. And as you look in the mirror and you start to affirm yourself each and every day, because that's how I did it Mm -hmm. from the beginning. Mm. I took sticky notes and wrote on these sticky notes. I am loved. I am loving. I am enough. I am confident. I am who God says that I am. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. It's like I did sticky notes all over the mirror and every day I would go in there and I would recite those every morning and every night before I went to bed until I had to believe it. And that's how I built myself up. Not only that, I end up learning how to do makeup. Mm. And I had people that would work with me and I would charge like $25 to, to bless you. I would charge like $25 to teach people how to do a basic, basic makeup, right? But because I knew so many women that were not exactly confident, mm-hmm. I will have them to come over. And before we get started, I take them to my bathroom and have them to recite every last one of those sticky notes. Mm. And that's before we got started. 
then once I showed them how to do their makeup and then I tightened up their makeup, then I take them back in there and then they read it again. Their face looked completely different from when they get there versus when they leave. It's totally different. That's a mindset shift. Like, wow, you know, mm-hmm. I came in here looking all dry. Now I look at Dry now, man. Mm. Look at me. Yep. Mm. Man, that's awesome. That's amazing. Yeah, and this is and like this is something that I personally like can relate in some way because um I'm the oldest out of four boys, and my mom when she had me, she was around the age of like 15, 16, and she experienced a lot of stuff too um and has told me has told me quite a bit of her own story and stuff so being able to like actually see it and sort of like see how much she has grown past it and stuff and now she's like you know at this point of like trying to like you know heal more be a better person and stuff like that too and you know as you said it is a process you know and it's definitely something that has stuck with like my mom and her own log and like it's definitely something that has stuck with me and stuff too um especially hearing their story and just how much like and really hearing like the different stories you know um apart from a couple that that yeah apart from like one I believe that's not related to sexual assault but still being able to hear you know that story in and of itself and sort of seeing how each person with each person has just been a process and a journey for them mm-hmm. and you know it, it also is a mindset shift too but like I think the most important thing especially for listeners is that it's not an immediate mindset sh- mindset shift it takes a lot of like telling yourself all this stuff you know repetition is key which is like very very true you know yeah um so as they say you have to encourage yourself mm-hmm <laughs> you have to encourage yourself mm-hmm. yeah That's definitely true. definitely and so um with that like it sounds like you're like really impacting a lot of women you know and being able to sort of help them with their mind shift or at least help them with the path of starting on their mind shift change it sounds mm-hmm. like yeah well the um, the other people that are being impacted by um, things that happened in my life are teenage girls, their parents and their families. Um, right now we're in the middle of, well, the book is with the publisher right now. Mm-hmm. And it's called I Did It Teen Mom Parents Success. Mm. Um, the um, release is October we're doing our launch on October the 8th. Awesome. And in this book, there is 12 women that talk about the issues that they had during being a teen mom Mm. and some of the things that happened, the things that people said to them, how it impacted their lives but how they came out on the other side as being successful. They defied the odds of what people said about them, Mm -hmm. how people talked about them and how people treated them during them being a teen mom. 
And each woman's story is so different. It's so different. But teenagers go through so much already. And on top of it, now you're pregnant. You know, you're talking about teenage mothers, teenage girls that already go through all of these hormonal changes. You know, they're going through a lot of hormonal change. And now here you go, bringing the daggone baby into, into the picture. Now you got grandmama now. I'm just going to say it like this. Grandmama now, your aunt now, uncle now, the family, the friends the people that you look at every day that say stuff and talking out the side of their neck to you, saying little stuff, like you don't hear them. Mm. I knew that gal was, was, was fast, old fast tail gal and got herself pregnant. You know, that's just one of the phrases that you hear. Mm. The other one, you got people snickering and talking about you behind your back. Some are just flat out disrespectful. But I, I think was one of the exceptions to the rule. Um, I didn't deal with a lot of that. Because first off, I pretty much just secluded myself, which look, you see, that's that was like one of my main things that I did. I knew how to seclude myself real quick. I knew how to close myself off. I would stay away from people. So first I left the school and went to a pregnant school. Mm. That I did. So then that way I didn't, I knew I wasn't gonna run across nobody that I really knew. And unless somebody came to our house, my mom was not, um, disrespectful she didn't talk down to me mm. my dad didn't talk down to me my sisters and brothers didn't talk down to me so if I did encounter any negativity it may have been going to the clinic where people probably was just kind of whispering when they saw me because they knew I was such a young girl mm -hmm. and um, that was probably the most negative part or the other negative part would be the rejection from the father, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, other than that, you know, but each woman just has such different stories that just will change your life. Mm -hmm. It changes your life. But um, given the fact of everything that I went through, at the age of 14 and 15 and my teen years into my adulthood, my early teen years, actually, to be honest with you, I had three kids by the time I was 19. Mm -hmm. And during that time, I had, um, I was earlier in my life, I was more of a straight A student um, didn't give my mom any problems or anything. Mm -hmm. Didn't. I was a straight A student. And I have forgot all about what it is that I really wanted to do with my life. At first, I knew until number one, I got raped. And my mindset, my mind was just not there. Then I got pregnant. And then I started going through abuse. So everything that I thought I wanted to do in my life, it was abused out of me. Mm. And so it took me to really literally pray and ask God, can you please bring back to remembrance what I wanted to do and who I wanted to be? 
because I don't remember. That's the weirdest thing, not to remember any of that. Mm -hmm. I guess maybe because I had gave up and didn't think that I was worthy anymore. I just didn't feel like I just didn't have it. I just didn't have it. And that's where this project came from is because when I got pregnant, I think with my second child, I said I wanted to help teenage girls or even have a transitional home or school for teenage girls. And that was something that I had wanted to do mm. to be able to help teenage girls. And then that's when this book was dropped in my spirit. And when I looked it up, do you know there's not one book out there that talks about it, mm. that talks about these successes, those who have gone through being a teenage parent that has become successful at it and talk about it, not one book. And so this book anthology, it's big, it's big. You know, I just wanted to impact you know, the families, even those girls that are teenagers, the girls that are teenagers that aren't pregnant, the girls that are pregnant, those that are thinking about getting pregnant. Maybe some of these stories will change their mind of even having sex at such an early age. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of these stories will let these girls know that their baby is a blessing that they can be successful just like we were it was work but we did it and that's the reason why it's called i did it <laughs> team mom parent success but that don't give people a pass to say oh it's okay to just up and get pregnant it's just saying that if this is you one of these ladies you should be able to relate to in one way or another to strengthen you, to know that you can do it, that your life does not end here, that there is hope. Mm -hmm. There is hope. So, Man. Um, so with that, um, what, what would be your advice then for modern day teenage, teenagers, teenage moms, even, um, and uh, even people yeah, even individuals um, that are trying to overcome their own traumas of sexual abuse, sexual assault and stuff and changing like their mindset. Well, my advice would be, um, oh God, because we got so many different angles that we're going at too, right? <laughs> different things. I mean, because I'm like, I've been down through there. Um, one thing that I would say to a person who had gone through sexual assault, that like I kept saying, it's not your fault. That's number one. Just know that it's not your fault. Number two, seek help. Going to a therapist does not say that you're crazy. Going to a therapist says, I need help and I can't deal with this by myself mm -hmm. or get a coach. Coaches help you to work through some of your traumas. They help you to be able to talk it out because that's one of the problems is that people don't know how to talk it out. They don't talk it out. 
And where I hurt myself at was suppressing it. And you can't, 35 years later, really? I pressed that down for 35 years. My mother just found out when I was 49. Mm -hmm. And I had to call her two weeks before the book was published. Hey, let me tell you this, you know? Mm -hmm. So that was basically it. But abuse, so we talked about the sexual part. The abuse portion of it. If a person hits you one time, they will hit you again. Let me repeat that. Mm -hmm. I know you've heard it before that if somebody hits you one time, that they will hit you again. Ain't no, I'm sorry. Because that's your golden opportunity to get away from that joker right there. This goes for men, it goes for women. Women are not exempt because there are some women that like to put their hands on men and it's not okay. Don't put your hands on him unless you are willing to take that hit back. Mm. And that's what I say to women because you're wrong to think that it's okay for you to hit him and he not hit you back. But as far as women are concerned, men and women, if a person hits you once, they will hit you again. That's your golden opportunity to get out. Love yourself enough. One of the biggest issues that I see with, uh, with the abuse is people think that just the fact that somebody physically abused you is just abuse. There is emotional, physical, mental, psychological, financial abuse, sexual abuse, all of these things. And let's not forget narcissistic behaviors and control. See, mine started with the control. He made me feel like he wanted to spend time with me. And I was like, well, I guess I'll just stay at home and spend time with him. Instead of me going to an activity at my school, he said, oh, you going? going there I'm like yeah he said oh, I wanted to spend time with you I was gonna come back and see I thought it was cute that I thought was cute and there's a lot of young girls that think that's cute oh he want to spend time with me girl guess what it ain't cute no mm. not at all it's a control tactic live your best life Live your life to the fullest as a teenager, as a woman. Live your life to the fullest. If you're dating somebody, they have to understand that you have a life outside of them. And that's, that's big. Is that you make sure that they know that you have a life outside of them. I'll see you when I get back. If you still want to hang out, then you can come. I'll let you know when I get home. And then if, if you don't feel like it, then I'll see you tomorrow. But you have to be the one that be in control of the situation. Nobody else. You have to be in control. See, that stuff that we be thinking is cute just tears us apart. That's the stuff that get us stuck with that control. And the last thing about the teenage girls that's pregnant or that's thinking about getting pregnant, teenage mothers 
do not give up. Do not give up. Finish your education. Find a program that'll allow you to bring your baby to class or find a daycare that works with you, with your baby. Find a program. There's programs out here. If you have a family or friend or whatever that is willing to help you, just don't give up. Don't give up. And don't look at your baby like your baby is a burden because you still can press, you can continue to press through. You don't have to live in the projects and get pregnant and think that that's the end of your life. That's not the end of your life. If you're going to stay in the projects, use it for what you need to use it for. Pay that low income rent. But at the same time, because you're paying that low income rent, that's saying that your education is more than likely going to be free. Use it to your advantage. Have a timeline. Use your timeline as far as, okay, I'm here for this time, but this program is going to take me three years and I'll stay here until them three years is up. But for that woman that is more than an adult right now that was a teenage mother, you still can do it. Mm. There is hope. There is hope because some ladies are still angry about having their child as, as a teenager and they say, oh, this stopped me. No, only person that can stop you is you at this point. Mm -hmm. So that's my advice. That's my advice for all of those situations. So, <laughs> <laughs> man, um, well, I'm just trying to sit back and process. I've been <laughs> just like, and I say this too, like at, at least in a couple of my episodes, or just like hearing these stories and being like, man, <laughs> this is just, and especially like the advice and stuff. Um, and hopefully that changes will happen, you know, for people, you know, because we still have like a long way to go in terms of like really pushing back, like sort of like the preconceived adjustments and stuff too, you know, even though it's not as bad as when you like were living and growing up, it's still like it takes on a different form, you know, especially in this day and age of like the internet and how globalize everything is and and stuff um so um i think it's important to like give out advice um and especially provide tools for people to be able to like get through that because you know we don't ever like provide you know enough like advice or resources for people to help like go through that or even like show them the way to where these resources are you know and it's always like an accessibility issue more than more than anything um and so um one final question then is what changes then would you like to see within your own community the organizations that you've seen and the businesses that you've seen um and 
what would what would that look like to you in your eyes because you know and I know like changes a lot of hard work boots on the ground and stuff like that you know so what so yeah what changes would you like to see you know what I would like to see more resources available um but even though a lot of places do have resources people have to be willing to go get it Mm. they have to be willing to go get it some people have so many excuses, but you have to be willing to go and get it. The resources are available. A lot of the education is available too. Mm-hmm. But resources would be the only thing that would be, you know, something that um, that I would think about is resources. My, um, I'm working on starting a nonprofit organization for women who've gone through traumas. And for teenage girls. Mm. So I'm working on that so I can be able to give people what they need, you know. Mm-hmm. And I'm constantly doing research or volunteering somewhere. Like I volunteer at the uh, battered women's shelter sometimes and, you know, and being an advocate. Um, it can be a little taxing sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's mostly because I can see myself, see what I've gone through mm-hmm. in them. You know, I could just see that part of it. I see me, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But yeah, just the resources more so than anything. Just resources. Yeah. Because I think that a lot of people are doing the best that they can with what they have right now. Mm-hmm. And especially since we just got through going through COVID and it's still um, pretty um, prominent out here right now mm-hmm. um, with COVID, it's just taking a whole new form. You know, they got the Delta. And so now we still have to be very careful of being um, in close proximities with people too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And yeah, I think that's all we can do on this earth you know is our very best you know like you can't be perfect I mean how can we we're only human you know and there definitely no there's there should be and there probably is like more good people out there that are doing their best to provide resources to volunteer and to show like hey there is a better way you know and sort of help be that light you know and there was like this quote that i saw that sort of said like is like said just that like how are you gonna like how are you gonna be like the light <laughs> i forgot i forgot like the very i got like the very quote of it is it, it went along like how how like think about how you're gonna be the light like are you gonna be the candle holder or are you gonna be the mirror reflecting the light right <laughs> I wrote a chapter called lead by example mm-hmm. you know and I just thought about that and Mahatma Gandhi his quote is be the change you want to see mm-hmm. be the change you want to see I don't want nobody to see me acting out because that's not who I am you know what I mean I want to be I want to lead by example if I ask somebody to do something, I got to be willing to do it myself. 
I have to sacrifice in a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not willing to sacrifice, then how can I expect to see change? If I'm not willing to sacrifice, then how can I be the light in the midst of a dark place? If I'm not willing to sacrifice, then how can I walk upright? If I'm not willing to sacrifice, then how can I give advice? Mm. If I'm not willing to sacrifice, then how can I even stand in front of you and say these things? You have to be willing to sacrifice. And I'm willing to sacrifice for God's people, you know? Mm. And a lot of times we always say, oh, be the best version of yourself. All of that sounds good to be the best version of yourself, but be the best best version of yourself that God had ordained you to be and to exchange your will for his will. Because if we do it his way, his way is the right way. I mean, I know everybody is not spiritual and everybody does you know, does not believe in God or they have a higher being mm-hmm. or whatever. But I know that I believe in God. And I never try to force anything on anybody. I don't try to force myself on anybody, but this is my language. Mm. So, <laughs> and I have no excuse for it and nor would I try to find an excuse for it because without God, I wouldn't be here the way that I am now and being happy and full of joy and healed and happy and forgiven and forgiving. You know, I forgave my abuser. I forgave my rapist and I forgave myself. And those things all combined together led to my self-love and my self-love was redefined through that. Mm. Well, um, with that, to all the listeners out there, um, sit and think about at least what was said, um, what was shared, whether you personally went through it or you haven't, just think about all that's been said on here, Um, especially because this is, again, just giving me just another, like, I'm young and still growing, you know, so, and I know with Wendy, even though she, she is, you know, a lot more wiser, has more of life experiences, older, she's still learning and still providing a lot of value and knowledge for us to even sit back and listen to, you know, and it doesn't matter, like you said, of whether you believe in God or not, or what have you, or anything, but just like, just sit back to listen to what she said, and like, even you taking the God part out of it, just still listen to what she says about being the change that you want to be and, you know, lead by example, you know, like that's something that I strive for too. lead by example. You know, I'd rather be a man of my action than a man of my word, you know, and not give false promises, you know, without showing the proof behind it. Um, so with that said, um, thank you, Wendy, for coming on to the podcast and sharing your story, sharing your advice and everything. And to the listeners, thank you for tuning in on this episode. I also would like to um, extend an invitation. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> <Sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> if, um, if there's someone out here that wants to consult 
or want to contact me to be able to talk, you can reach me at selfloveredefined.com. Go to my website. There's a calendar on there and you can contact me, selfloveredefined.com for a consultation. I am a transformational support coach for women who've gone through traumas, teenage girls, and by traumas, that could be bad relationships, mental, physical, emotional, sexual abuse, balding, um, self-image issues, lack of self-confidence, all of these things, rejection. There is a list of things that are considered to be traumas and we don't even recognize it. But you can reach me at selfloveredefined.com or on Facebook at Wendy Banks Roads. Also Facebook support group, Self Love Redefined is where you can go and get the support that you need. Okay. Awesome. Well, <laughs> well guys, you hear that? Uh, Definitely reach out to her on her site, on Facebook, um, especially if you want to, you know, start your own journey of change on the mindset and during more of your own journey of self-love too. Um, with that said, thank you guys for tuning in. Wendy, thank you again for coming on. Say bye to the, uh, <laughs> to the viewers listening. All right. And thank you, Quanzel, for having me on here. Yeah, not a problem with that, guys. Thank you for tuning in. We'll see you in the next episode this Wednesday on September 22nd.